On today's episode of Tell Me What You Know, we're talking chess. If you're here for theory on when strategies like the Sicilian defense and Queen's Gambit, the opening, not the miniseries, should be used, you've come to the wrong place. We'll get into a bit of history, talk about the stages of the game, and take a look at some notable names in chess and the interesting stories that surround them. Finally, we wrap up with a draft on our favorite board games. This is Tell Me What You Know. What's going on, everybody? Today is Wednesday, November 25th. This is episode 29, season 2 of Tell Me What You Know. Let us be the first to wish you and yours a happy, healthy Thanksgiving. Michael, what are you thankful for? Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Um, man, you know, this year I'm, I'm just thankful that COVID hasn't impacted me as much as it has others and kind of knock on wood in that way. So I think pretty just thankful that healthy, thankful that everybody I love is healthy. And, um, and yeah, it's pretty simple this year. What about yeah, you? That was pretty sincere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, me too. <laughs> no, I'm uh, definitely thankful for uh, work being steady. I know that's not the case for everybody. Um, insane. Family's all ha- uh, all healthy. I wish uh, we could be with with family this year, but yeah, kind of just playing it safe. So yeah, I think that's Thank- smart thankful for technology that we can yeah. see each other. And crap like that. I want to put out to our listeners that if you have a way to get an Xbox X. Series X, the newest released Xbox. Michael will pay a lot of money for you, or just be very, very thankful. So, if you, hey, I will have, pay. I will pay retail. I'll pay sticker price and shipping. Oh yeah, <laughs> he'll basically just buy one if you have it available to sell to him. I, I feel safe saying this because this still won't come out until tomorrow. But tonight at 9 p.m., Best Buy has another drop. So. Oh really? Yeah. I'll send a uh, text out reminding everyone. Yeah, send it to me. Um, I'll put one on my phone. The thing is, if we get four, we'll just sell sell two of them easily. Totally. Yeah. I mean, what's crazy is these bots, man. Like, they're. Yeah. It does seem to me like it should be something that they could pretty easily. Um, Capture out. Yeah. Yeah. Like, give me three captures. Right. Make me prove that I'm not a robot. Otherwise, yeah. people are just hawking them on eBay for fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. It's nuts. I will get one. I'm at the uh, acceptance stage of the five stages of grief. So you've accepted it. It'll come. Yep. I'm accepted it. I'll get one when I get one. Uh, hopefully that's tonight, but you know, yeah, it'll be. Well, um, what is one thing you learned this week? I learned about the great Elsie Eiler. Do you know Elsie Eiler? No. Elsie Eiler lives in a small town, uh, called Manawi, uh, Nebraska, just a, just a bit South of the South Dakota border. She's the town mayor, she's the town bartender and the postmaster. She holds pretty much every role in the city because she's the only resident, the only citizen of Manawi, Nebraska. There's a population of one. Uh, she's been the only citizen there since her husband passed away in 2004. She runs the Manawi Tavern, she's, and she has been running it for nearly 50 years now. Um, and during the pandemic, you know, they had to close down. But she says that you know it's it's kind of a landmark. She has like the guest books been signed by people from all 50 states and over 50 countries. It's like <laughs> the only, I guess, it's the only town with one resident. Uh, in the United States. Yeah. Um, so people come to the Manawi Tavern, they'll have lunch, they'll have a beer or whatever. And so she's she's not, she's still doing okay because she'll, uh, she says some days I cook for people, some days I don't, but people will come and do takeout. And she says she's uh, been selling tons of bush light to go. So uh, that's Elsie Eiler. Yeah, Manawi, Nebraska. 
Manawi, Nebraska. Yeah, wow. Population one. Do you know where that is in the state? Like, is it yeah, close to any other city? Or? Uh, well, other city, I don't know. It's like it's in northern Nebraska. It's just from a map, it looks just south of the South Dakota border. Missouri mm-hmm. River is right there. Um, I don't know Nebraska very well, and I don't want to slander Nebraska. So uh, yeah. it looks like it's, if you had to guess, it's in the middle of Nebraska. Okay. So yeah. there's not a lot well, around it. No, that's pretty interesting. I didn't know that there were any cities that, any towns, with only yep. one person in it. I mean, it's it has like three roads. Uh, it's like right on Highway 12, I guess. And then there's like three roads that kind of jut off of it. And that's about it. So is it like a uh, tourist destination that just people can say that they've been there? I guess it is now, right? There's only yeah. so there were two citizens until 2004. Her husband passed away, and now she's the the lone citizen there for the last 16 years. Hmm. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Elsie Eiler, good old Elsie. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna tell you uh, what I learned is a turkey fact. Okay. Uh, their poop identifies their gender. Really. How about that? So huh. uh, they check their, their droppings. Uh, yeah. A male's poop will be shaped like the letter J, okay. and a female's poop will be spiral-shaped. <laughs> <laughs> Can you, you not see, like, uh, is there no other way to tell their gender? I'm sure there must be other ways. Yeah, I mean, this like is another identifying mark. The tom, the turkeys are, the toms are bigger or something. and Yeah, or maybe if you're, uh, you saw their droppings, you know, but you don't see them yet. You'd be like, oh, there's a lot of female female turkeys <laughs> in these parts. Yeah. Um, well, because also the only male turkeys gobble. Like female turkeys don't gobble. It's a mating call. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Huh. So when you're turkey um, hunting and you're using like a turkey call, you're just attracting females? I guess males could also come to it, but. Yeah, maybe they're like. I don't know. Uh, come to maybe fight multiple it. females will come over. Yeah, you're on my turf. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Did you see the. Uh, I also don't know if you use a turkey call when you're turkey hunting. I know nothing about hunting. So, did you see the, uh, the president pardon the two turkeys yesterday? I, I didn't see the ceremony. He and did. Corn and Cobb got pardoned yesterday. Corn and Cobb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a tradition. <laughs> yeah. It uh, started in 1989. The turkey pardoning. Yeah. I think we covered this on my turkey episode. I think so. Like last year. Yeah. Yeah, no, always, must, there's always no, this two. Must be, it must be 18. Yeah, I think it was older than that. Maybe not. No, it's actually, no, 1989 was the official pardoning ceremony started. Okay. But Abraham Lincoln's son uh, pleaded that the bird intended for Christmas dinner had a right to live. So, mm. what a snowflake. Know, Abraham, yeah, maybe Honest Abe. <laughs> snowflake. He's like, okay, yeah, I'll do yeah. it. Um, nice. Well, do you want to get into this, into, uh, this week's topic? Yeah, we're going to talk about chess. Chess. If anybody's watched Netflix uh, during the pandemic, you might have seen a new show, Queen's Gambit. The, the is, has exploded. Yeah, I've failed, I've failed my assignment for this week because I've only watched one episode and I have not watched the entire thing. But I hear it's great. Everybody tells you how great the show is. It's yeah. about chess, but it's so not boring. It's, it's not boring at all. It is awesome. Like okay. one of the best miniseries I've ever seen. Okay. For sure. All right. Well, then I'll have to... I mean, I definitely like the first episode. I just haven't gotten around to watching the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. I actually think it gets better towards like the third episode. Okay. Um, you got to get into it. Got to gotta get into it. Nice. But... What was that? I, I don't know. Honks. Outside. Okay. I thought I moved out of the city. That's right. To the quaint... Keep it down out there. Suburbs. 
So let's talk about chess. What is chess? Well, it's a game. It is it's a, a mind game. sport yeah. strategy game. Dates uh, back 1,500 years. Yeah, the 6th century, right? Yeah. Long in, time. in India and then came to Persia. Right. Uh, where it spread to every country and culture. They have different <laughs> games, uh, different names and different pieces, but, but generally all have the same moves. Is it a war game? Yeah, I no, in India it was it was supposed to uh imitate war. Yeah. And the pieces are all supposed to kind of be um kind of attributes of different things in war, like, you know, a horse would be cavalry, right, infantrymen and et cetera. The horse, aka the knight. AKA the knight, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's talk about the setup real quickly while we're yeah. here. So it's sixteen pieces on each side, white versus black. Uh the first row or I guess they call them, oh shit, I looked this up. Frames. Frame? Rank. I didn't actually look Rank. I think it's rank. rank. I think yeah. it's rank. Uh, eight pawns, which I guess might not be, I, I'm, I don't know if it's the first rank, but one of the ranks is pawns, and then uh, the back <laughs> back line. See the back row? Yeah, this is, you don't don't come here for like uh, uh, theory and, or anything like that. We're just giving you simple much- breakdown here. It's the much back too row, complex. You got the front row of pawns. You got eight pawns protecting your back row, which has uh, two rooks, two knights, two bishops, a king, and a queen. That's right. And each piece has a specific way they can move about the board. For example, pawns can only go in straight lines. If you move them off their starting position, they can go two spots. Right. That's right. The knights and to attack, move, and yeah. for just and for right. pawns to attack, they yeah. have to attack diagonally. Right. And forward. One forward and one over. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get into like uh, castling or en passant or anything <laughs> like that. But I did learn about um, like the in passing play, where like uh, I don't know if we need to even get into it. But if the pawn moves two spaces up next to one of your pawns, you can still take diagonally in passing. You can still capture that, but only on your next move. Huh? I didn't see that. Yeah, I'll, just, I'll show you. I'll show you. Yeah. Later. Are you first of all? Do you play chess? No. No. Yeah. I mean. Like anybody, I've I've been intrigued by it, but then you know you play a couple games and you realize how how unmatched, how outmatched you are. Yeah, it's not like, a game you just pick up and play. I, no. I don't think you need to. Well, I, I played a couple of matches against the game on my computer. How'd you? So do? I'm playing against the computer and I just get smoked, and you just really? feel like crap. I think. You, what difficulty level are you playing on? I think I'm playing on like a low difficulty. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I, I definitely think in in sort of a realization after watching the, the full Queen's Gambit that like there is a lot more uh, just memorization around the patterns of mm-hmm. the game that I think you would give you a, a big advantage um, to just know like of uh, the different uh, different rules to follow in your head around doing certain things. Like when you see this, right. do that. Yeah, tons of scenarios, right? Tons of scenarios. I mean, like unlimited tactics. scenarios. I yeah. Guess. Uh, there's actually more. I looked this up. There are more permutations of chess games after you, depending on how many moves you go back and forth with somebody, but more uh, chess permutations than atoms in the universe. Okay. So no one. I mean, I mean, they, there's probably like typical openings and stuff like that that lead to similar type games where there's like there's po- the possibilities are endless out there. Basically. The possibilities are endless, but to that point, like I think that they capped it at like maybe. 12,000 or so like common games like more typical yeah games but as you yeah but as you proceed 
further and further uh, different pieces are taken off the board and technically a, a pawn could just move forward one space, but that could be one possible move that you could play. So right. you, but whether or not that even makes sense to do um, yeah. might not be, but, but just to, there's a lot of permutations for the game. There's a lot of complexity. Um, and, and that kind of led to one question I had, which I was going to maybe save to later, but because we encountered it, I, I just had the question, like, you know how like ch- checkers, and other games like tic-tac-toe, a simpler example, mm-hmm. uh, can be you know beaten or solved so that like uh, each player can play the game and it should end in a stalemate, a draw yeah. each time. And so people ask chess players, chess masters, if they think uh, the game can be perfected so that the game is unwinnable. It's it will always be a draw if both players play the game perfectly. Yeah, and and most masters would say that, that is the case. Okay, but they say if you play the game perfectly, the game should be a draw. But there's a slight benefit to being the white side, the white team, right. team, because you get to move first, so you give you have a slight advantage that you get to attack first. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> I think everybody it's a knows, draw, but but yeah. the white has a small advantage probably. Right, just because of their first move, uh, they get they get first action. Yeah. Um, just quickly, like the obviously, like the, the the objective of the game is to put put the king of the, of the the enemy's king in a position where they can't make a legal move to move out of check, right? Correct. So, like check means that you are being attacked by more one or more of the enemy's pieces, meaning you have to either move out of check, you have to put up one of your pieces in between to where they can't uh, can't take your king. Uh, you can cast, or well, I guess you can't castle when you're in check. I learned that as well. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So anyway, um, so the game will either end when one team has the other, well, one person has the other person in checkmate, or there's a stalemate or a forfeit, or like time runs out if it's a time limited limited game, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. I saw, uh, so like casual games usually last anywhere from like 10 minutes to an hour, um, while competitive games can last, depending on whether it's timed or not, you know, 10 minutes for like a time match uh, to six or more hours, depending on like the situation, I guess. Yeah, I think like regular chess matches or, or speed chess, I think you're limited to, uh, I think it's 30 minutes. Total. Of like decision time, basically. Yeah, but then there's like, I always forget if it's blitz. There's blitz, blitz and then there's, then there's uh, what did I just say, fast chess? Yeah, so speed chess. Speed know. chess, thank you. Uh, yeah, blitz chess is five minutes, so it's like super okay. fast. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and, and yeah, I think... I think you're right. I think it's like an hour for the other games. Interestingly enough, you have 30 minutes for both sides. Yeah. So to me, and maybe it's just because I'm not like, I mean, I think it's like a very smart person's game, but I, it always seemed kind of boring to me, mm-hmm. uh, chess, but just because I didn't put time into it. But interestingly enough, it has had this huge like renaissance on in the Twitch community recently, like online. Uh, online. Uh, I, I think it's because of Queen's Gambit. Before this, though, really? this was like, yeah, maybe a year ago. Uh, mm-hmm. They have like some like some grandmaster started streaming and like people started getting into it. Now they're having like, you know, community twi- uh, ch- chess tournaments and stuff like that. And like a lot of the bigger streamers who never played chess before are learning the game and kind of getting into it. Uh, hmm. So it's kind of cool to see like a, a, I wouldn't call it a resurgence because maybe it hadn't gone anywhere, but it's like kind of br- breaking into new new territories, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, about a year ago, I think it was. I, th- I think the World Chess Championship is held in December every year. Or maybe uh, 
maybe that's the play in for you get to go play the 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 winner of that plays the Magnus Carlsen who's the best player in the world right now yeah um but I wonder if it, if 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 it coincided with that match last year because I think Magnus Carlsen and one of the other players had a pretty long match um that was like very um tightly contested yeah and I think every game went to oh I think it was an American trying to to, to beat uh Magnus Carlsen and that was like the first time an American had been in that position in a long time okay yeah, Magnus Carlsen is a 29-year-old Norwegian sledgehammer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll kind of talk about some some of the big names, I guess, later on. Yeah. Um, we can quickly go through, like, the stages of the game. Uh, this is more like getting into the, to the weeds a little bit about, like, uh, like theory and how to play, which I, I don't know. But like, well, no, you, I think – yeah, I think this is helpful, though. Like, Yeah. So you have, like, the opening, you have the middle game, you have the end game, right? Yeah. So the opening, you're, like, developing your pieces is what they call it kind of setting the stage for how you want to play it, I guess. Yep. Um, and this is where, like, if, you know, white moves first, if you're on the black side, you can start off with, you're trying to maybe limit their advantages early on. I think from what I've seen, you, it's, like, good to take center control. You want to kind of, like, crowd their pawns if you can, that kind of thing. Right. There's no, like, definitive line between the openings and middle game. You just kind of know it when you get there. It's like porn, right? You just know when you see it. It's hard to describe. <laughs> you just, when you see it, when you, when you, just you, like know, porn. you know it when you see it. It's just like porn, chess and porn. We always get back to porn somehow. Yep. Yeah, um, and it, these would be, these opening moves are, are in the show, if you've watched it, uh, like the Sicilian defense. Like they also, it was kind of confusing in the show when I was watching it because when they would say these, like the Sicilian defense or the French defense, yeah. those are actually opening moves. Right. So those are responses to white making an initial move, and then you play a a, a, a pawn like in a certain a, spot. A, yeah, a yeah. memorized response to it. Right. So it's like they're the the white side maybe wants to like work more on the king side of the board, whereas the blacks like okay, to put this defense out. We're going to try and pit, take over the queen control, all that kind of stuff. But, right. Right. Uh, and then in game, I actually I assume that's just when the game ends. <laughs> it, it it is, but but I was reading about this a little bit more because I guess I guess it's slightly. I mean, this is like real theory um, because it's it's closer to where somebody has to, you know, finally make a finishing blow, right? So, yeah. so supposedly Magnus Carlsen, uh, across all these other, uh, you know, parts of the game that people could be better at, like maybe you're better at opening moves or maybe you, someone's better at middle game. Magnus Carlsen supposedly has like a phenomenal end game and mm-hmm. is, is amazing in the top echelon top tier of all other attributes but his end game is supposedly just absurd okay um and that's how he gets his his advantage um but it's it can be sort of difficult to uh to to practice those because you know the different types of permutations like how do you set up an end game you're like okay well anything you know, can it, happen for you get there. anything could happen to get there right so it's like you sort yeah. of have to have uh i guess your outlook and your strategy and then kind of apply it to, yeah. to the board each time i'll throw another uh analogy out there for, for like traditional sports he's like muhammad ali doing the rope-a-dope right maybe gets beat up a little bit in the opening and middle game and then he just comes out of the end game and slaughters his opponent right exactly <laughs> yeah he's got something that the, the the opponent just knows is coming and like puts yeah. him off like throws him off right yeah um so Magnus carlson's a grandmaster we can talk a little bit about titles and rankings uh so the top chess players 
can be awarded specific lifetime titles from the International Chess Federation, the FIBE, which I assume is like French or something. It, yeah, it's from yeah. the French uh, title. Yeah. Um, so Grandmaster is the highest you can get, right? It's uh, You have a chess rating of 2,500, the ELO chess rating. We'll talk about ELO. We'll go ahead and just talk about that right now. So ELO yeah, is yeah. a rating system. Um, this is like a very watered down explanation of it, but it's like when there's a zero sum game, so like chess is 1v1, you have uh, player A versus player B. If they're like similarly ranked, player A wins, player B loses, you add points to player A's ranking, you take points away from player B's ranking. So then let's say you have player A and you're going up against a newer player or a lower ranked player, player C, and player A beats player C, you say, oh, well, that was expected. So you add fewer points, like player A will gain fewer points in their ranking, player C will lose fewer points in their ranking. Let's say you have player A, it's highly skilled player, playing against player D, who's not, not as high of a skilled player, at least in theory, or based on the rankings, but player D beats player A. You say, oh, well, you know, that shouldn't have happened. Maybe player A isn't as good as we thought we thought that they were. So A loses a lot of points, and D gains a lot of points. And basically, it's, this scale, it's just this number scale, basically, that you gain points as you win, and you gain more points based on playing better opponents. And you lose more points if you're playing worse op- opponents, and you lose to them, type thing. Right. So I would grand- assume... I would assume like the FBS uh, college football kind of worked off the same math model. May, yeah, probably. I mean, but that just had like, no, I'm sure like a, more, the computer. Yeah. More, yeah, more, more data points. Like, oh, you beat them by X number of points. Yeah. Therefore, you know, but Could be. I just would assume it's know. a similar, uh, it's a, it's the exact same problem. I feel like there's less solve. variables in in the ELO ratings and there are in like a college football rating. Right. Right. So right. it's more to the point. Um, and, and like I, I was mentioning to you earlier, like an ELO is the ELO's rating system has been adopted by like tons of video games and stuff like that as well in terms of like any kind of ranked playlist within those video games. Yeah. So grandmaster has to have an ELO rating of at least 2,500 international master ELO rating of at least 2,400. There's other things to go into it, which kind of give the ELO ratings. The FIDE Master, the FM, so like G, Grandmaster GM, International Master IM, the FIDE Master FM is 2,300 or more, and then a Candidate Master 2,200 or more. And as of 2018, there's 1,725 active Grandmasters. I'm not sure what the number is now. Uh, the majority of them are from Russia, uh, followed by the United States and Germany. Uh, it's huge, like t- over 200 of the Grandmasters are, are Russian. Yeah. Russians love chess. They do. Um, we can they, talk they, about it. It's, it's a part of their core curriculum in school. Really? Yeah. I did not like, know that. That It's one reason why. I mean, it's it's like ingrained in their culture almost. And um, you think about like it kind of fits their general outlook. Um, yeah. Like the KGB is very manipulative and strategic. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh Right. Trying to make perfect moves and stuff, and I, this kind of brings to a, a, an idea I had, and I kind of I lightly researched it, but just sort of how chess through the years—I mean, such an old game—has been has impacted sort of like war and and being played by certain you know generals and and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and I guess like there's been people to weigh in on this, but chess has been a game to to help people study for war. But um, comparing them perfectly um, doesn't really work because in chess it's an open 
open information game, right? Like you know where all the pieces right. of, the, of your enemies are. And war obviously is not like that. It's chaotic. It's it's there's certain luck involved in each um, in each battle. But um, but I mean I can understand generally like oh yeah let's move our tanks up there like let's let's do all we can to to make that battle a win and understanding um you know the control of of regions of the board aka your battlefield i i I see a lot of parallels there that they could could really help to to study or play chess yeah yeah so let's talk about uh one russian grandmaster you might have heard before yeah, uh, Gary Kasparov. So he, uh, incredible chess player from Russia, world chess champion. Uh, he's a political activist now since, he was, since his retirement in 2005. Uh, he was the number one ranked player for 255 months overall for his career. And until Magnus Carlsen came along, he held the highest peak rating of any player ever at, at 2851. Uh, he achieved that in 1999. And then in 2013, Magnus Carlsen surpassed that with, I believe, 2882 uh, is the highest ever achieved. Um, he retired. Yeah, so he had some kind of like falling out with the FID at one point and started make like made like a rival chess league type thing, which I think actually was pretty popular. Uh, after he retired in 2005, he became like a political activist and kind of opposed a lot of Putin's policies, mm-hmm. which how he's still alive, I don't know. But uh, he was going to run for president, actually. Uh, in 2008, but he couldn't find like a large enough space to gather enough people to do this like official endorsement thing they have to do over there. So he didn't actually get to run, and he like said there was some kind of political obstruction and all this stuff. Right. Which I don't know. I mean, huh? Who, who knows what happens in Russia? But um, probably probably right. Probably right. But yeah, Gary Kasparov's a, a pretty big name. One that most people might know is Bobby Fischer. Bobby Fischer has a super interesting story, not just because of chess, right? So he was a chess prodigy. Uh, at the age of 13, he won uh, what would be called the game of the century against like a really big opponent. At 14, he was the, the youngest ever U.S. chess champion. At 15, he became the youngest grandmaster ever at that time and also the youngest ever qualified for the world championships at 15. At 20, he won the U.S. chess. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say it's 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 incredible how many people in chess start and, and you know make a big splash when they're really young. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, it's like it's nuts. a game that that can just almost be played intuitively by yeah. kids that age. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, it's nuts. Uh, at 20, he won the U.S. chess championship. He won 11 out of 11 matches, the only perfect score in the history of the tournament. Uh, he won the World Chess Championships in 1972 against uh, Soviet Boris Spassky. This was like a big Cold War matchup that drew tons of attention. It was in Iceland. Uh, like it was bigger than like any sporting event almost, right? Because it was like yeah. this American versus the Soviet, that kind of thing. The following year, uh, there were some disagreements from Fisher's side about how the the match, like the title defense should be played. He didn't, for some reason, he didn't want to go. He, he wasn't going for the like the 24-game uh like, I guess, format that, that was, like, typical at the time. Yeah, the typical format. Right. And so he ended up having to forfeit this championship to another Soviet. Um, after this forfeiture, he became a recluse. He, like, wasn't in the public eye at all. He didn't really play chess at all. This was in 1973. He reemerged in 1992 and played an unofficial rematch with Boris Spassky in Yugoslavia. Yugoslavia huh. at the time was under UN embargo, and his participation in this 
conflicted with the U.S. government because they had sanctions against Yugoslavia, and him participating in this match violated those sanctions. Ultimately, the U.S. put a warrant out for his arrest. Uh, he became a political exile. He lived in Budapest, Hungary. In 2004, he was in Japan, and he was arrested for using a U.S. passport that had been revoked by the U.S. government. Uh, he was held in custody for, a, I think, at least like in like isolation for 16 days, like no windows. Like he said, they, they complained about like tobacco smoke in his cell, all this kind of stuff. And a lot of people, there's like a big push in 2004 for him to like be freed. Uh, a lot of people were writing letters. Uh, there was like journalists that went to Japan to try and get him out because um, he was going to be deported to the United States, and that's not what he wanted as well, right? Right. There's a warrant after his arrest. It, I thought it was really interesting and kind of cool that like his rival Boris Spassky wrote a letter to George W. Bush. He was like, he asked for mercy, he asked for charity, and he said if that wasn't possible, to put him himself in the cell with Fisher and to give him a chest set. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. Um, eventually, he uh, he wrote a letter to the Icelandic. Uh, I guess consulate or whatever, and like kind of pleaded with them, and they they didn't want to give him full citizenship, but they did allow him a, an Iceland an Icelandic passport. He moved to Iceland in 2004, I believe, after getting out of custody in Japan, and uh, he lived there until he passed away in 2008. Kind of a recluse there as well. He lived uh, in an apartment building with an old chess friend of his, and uh, whose wife was actually a nurse who cared for for Fisher because uh, he had like a he had kidney failure, and so mm. like she kind of cared for him until he died in 2008. Wow. Yeah. I, uh, there was a story, I, I've mentioned this guy before, but this Jerry Weintraub producer mm-hmm. uh, guy, he, you know, he repped Elvis and Sinatra and whatever. So in the 1972, he was watching Bobby Fischer on the, yeah. the PB, on PBS play, um, Kaparov. Yeah. No, uh, no, it was, uh, uh, Stasky. St- yeah, Stasky. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, uh, he was like enthralled by Bobby Fischer. He thought he was like a total, like a rock star. He had this potential, you know, to yeah. uh, like serious potential. So he flew to, uh, to Iceland and gets off the plane. He's like really groggy. Uh, he doesn't have a meeting with, with Bobby Fischer. Doesn't, like, doesn't know anything about chess. Just was like th- so enthralled by watching this on TV. And he gets there and he gives this interview with a guy who was uh, a part of the press who recognized Jerry Weintraub. And he comes <laughs> up and he's like, are you a, like a closet chess fan? Like, why are you here? And he's like, oh, I'm here to see Bobby Fischer. He's like, oh, do you have like a meeting? He's like, no, I don't even know anything about chess. I just think he's awesome. Like, I just think he's a total rock star. He's an Elvis Presley. He's amazing. So he goes to his hotel room, falls asleep, and he puts the, the phone by his ear uh, so he can like get jet lagged, c- catch up. Mm-hmm. Um, get over his jet lag, and so he's awoken by the the ring on his phone, and it's Bobby Fischer. <laughs> and Bobby Fischer's like, "Do you really think I'm Elvis Presley? Do you really think I'm a rock star?" And he's like, Wait, "How did you know I said that?" Like, "Sure, yeah, I think that." And uh, he's like, "Oh, I heard you on the radio." Uh, and he's like, "Yeah, well, I want I want to meet you." And uh, I guess he was like, kind of whispering, like. Bobby Fischer, super paranoid. Yeah. He was crazy. I mean, like, he heard voices in his head. Um, he had kind of like this Howard Hughes aspect to him. And um, so Bobby Fischer to Jerry Weintraub was like, all right, well, meet me on the sixth floor. Come up the stairs. I'll meet you by the by the right. exit way. So he comes up the stairs and, like, sees Bobby Fischer. And, I mean, just to his credit, he gets a meet. It gets into Bobby Fischer's room. Uh without a meeting just mm-hmm. shows up at the hotel like is now kind of like repping bobby fisher right 
Uh, he goes to his room. He's got cheeseburgers everywhere, this horrible stench. He's got Playboy magazines everywhere. Nice. So he's just in there hearing voices, jerking off, <laughs> playing chess. Eating burgers. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, uh, it's like quarantine. Yeah. And Bobby Fischer's like, I don't have any money. I really want to go bowling. Mm. And Jerry Wancher was like, well, we can get you some money. He's like, how can we do that? He's like, just give me till tomorrow. I'll get you money. Yeah. And he's like, how are you going to do it? And he's like, I think you should make a record. And he's like, what are you talking about? I don't sing. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, no, no. You're, the record is going to be you teaching chess to a six-year-old. Mm. And the cover of it is going to be an, an, an art, like a board. And, and then we're going we're gonna to sell pieces, uh, chess pieces with the board. And so people can learn how to play from Bobby Fisher. Oh, he cool. calls up Warner Music, has a deal for him like the next day. A multi-million dollar deal so we basically get some everything you wanted yeah um anyways just i i recommend buying jerry wanchab's book and, and hearing this full story that's pretty but, cool uh, it's pretty interesting yeah kind of gives you a little bit more about bobby fisher in there and also bobby fisher then moves to la after mm. this and i think in those middle years in between kind of that dead those like 20 year yeah. dead period between yeah. his, his matches like lived at a cult and <laughs> fell into this you know, for someone who's so paranoid, got totally manipulated by a cult master. Right. Um, anyways, just a, a fascinating story in there. Yeah. But I didn't know that about the ending part of his life. That yeah. He went yeah. To, to Iceland. Kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. What else you got on chess? Anything? Should we get into our draft? Um, I, w- I think. I think that's basically it that I've I've got. I'm yeah. I am I am interested in. Um, like learning a little bit more. I think, I think, I think chess would be more enjoyable for me if I do just a little bit of the yeah intro part where you kind of like learn to not do certain like cardinal sins. Right. I mean, um, if I play against anybody that knows what they're doing, I'm beaten in six moves. Right. Like, right. It's like, okay. Well, I because I realize like, oh, that was so stupid, or mm-hmm. I put myself into a bad position here, or I didn't, I didn't see the other potential moves somebody could do on right. me. So I think I think that it, there's some learning curve there, but um, but I, I I am kind of interested in learning more about it. I also am interested, and in, I, I kind of would want your opinion on this if if you have one. Is why do you think people romanticize chess? Like there's a lot of like no, the Queen's Gambit comes out and like it kind of has like a resurgence of chess has a resurgence as you were saying. Uh, I remember searching for Bobby Fischer, like a great movie. Like there's been a lot of great stuff made um about chess it's a complex game like it's as i just said it has like a hard harsh learning curve i i wonder why you think we kind of romanticize it yeah because it makes people feel like they're intellectuals when they maybe know like one percent of it it's like uh it's like uh like barbecuing right Mm. every every person you talk to is a pit master right (laughs) right they maybe make like decent barbecue it's right. one of those things where it's like if you're good at this, it like puts you in this other like echelon of of like uh, of intellectual, right? Yeah, I think. No, I, I think I think there could be something to that point. I, I kind of has a similar similarity with me, similar similarity, a similarity with golf. So like, it, it's a game that there's, it's it, it's impossible to master, right? Um, but like if to your point, like if you're kind of good, you can be like, I don't know, you feel like you're athletic. I, it's like uh, I feel like people have this 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 point of view that if you you say like oh I don't I'm not good at chess or I don't play chess then it's like oh you're stupid 
when it's oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, well, no, I just, I just don't, I just don't play chess. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's too complex for you. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's why you don't play. Yeah, you would understand. Oh no, like the office has this other level of humor. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh no, it's like you have to be smart to get the humor. Right, you have to be right. smart. I'm not, I'm not denying that you have to be smart to be good at chess, but I think that the percentage of people who say this kind of stuff aren't as good as they think they are. I, I think that's very spot on. It's it's kind of how I feel about people with uh, that Rick and Morty show. They're like, right. oh, you just don't get the jokes. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. no, I just I just don't think it's a great show. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, I haven't even watched that much of that show. I've I just only mean, seen one episode. Yeah, me, me too. <laughs> but I always hear people talk about that crap. Well, it kind of turns um, you off to it. Right. Yeah. Like, why are you? Why are you? Building Everybody's up? a little bit contrarian sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. so. Yeah. I, I think there's also an element of just this mono a mono aspect to it where you can kind of like you can get into somebody else's head and to your point like kind of yeah well there's nobody overpower to, them there's nobody to pin the blame on when you lose either so it's like, right. right and also when people i feel like nobody just has a chess set so it's so easy to be like oh no like i'm really good at chess they're not gonna be like oh let's play they yeah, let's play sometime <laughs> it's not like whip out a chessboard right then and put you on the spot yeah like, oh yeah we should play yeah. sometime for sure and then like it never yeah. happens yeah uh, do you know anybody that plays like recreationally, like maybe uh, online or against a buddy? No, not that I know of. I mean, well, I, Sam Ranson actually it was probably one of the last people I knew that had like a ongoing game with somebody else. Like, yeah, I think he really liked the turn-based aspect to it. Right, uh, could take his time, really think about things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I, I sure. get that. I think it's pretty fun. All right, we talked about uh, high-level, super intellectual board game chess. Now we're going to draft our board games, which are going to be way, <laughs> I assume the bar is going to be dropped here a good bit. I, and we haven't talked about the definition of exactly a board game for this draft, so we're not hopefully I'm, I'm, I'm in Yeah, inbounds. if you say like charades, I'm going to hit you. But I, I, I do not have that. Okay. Uh, is it me? Uh, yeah. Okay, I'm going to start with... Trivial Pursuit. Ooh. Yeah. I love trivia uh, of any kind. It's actually uh, didn't mean to be, but I was at a trivia thing last night. I just went to a little um, socially distanced brewery for a couple of beers and they had trivia going on. Nice. I'm not, I don't want to sound, I don't want to sound cocky. It was so freaking easy. Yeah. Yes. I think if I had been there from the beginning, I would have gotten them all. I missed like Uh, one question per round, but do you have, do you have a good question that we could share? Um, I mean, they were so like so forgettable and easy. Like, I it wasn't even like I can't even think yeah. of anything right now. But <laughs> it was that. Just easy. trust me, I got them all right. <laughs> yeah. So, Trigger right. Pursue is my number one. I'm gonna go with a game I haven't played since I was young, but mm-hmm. I always loved it. Uh, I'm gonna go with Sorry. Sorry. I like nice. Sorry. Is there strategy just, in Sorry? And you just draw cards and move spaces, but you can like. Yeah, I think it's pretty much just kind of a luck of the draw. It's just a fun game. Okay. You yell sorry <laughs> when you land on your opponent. Exactly. I like more of the theatrics. That, yeah. That kind of plays out in my other picks. See, maybe I don't want to say this because it might be one of your picks, so I'll just save it. But you have two, actually, so go ahead. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to follow it up with another very uh, vibe-based game. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Clue. Clue. Nice. That was on my I list. I love Clue. Yeah, Clue's fun. Yeah. Mrs. Peacock in the conservatory with the steel pipe. Oh, yeah. Miss Scarlet's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> so fine. Nice. All right. So let me take Clue off my list. You 
suck. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, a game I never actually played by the rules uh, when I played it, but it was so fun to, to play with. It's Mousetrap. Oh. I just yeah, like yeah. making the contraption run. Yeah. Yeah. Fun game. <laughs> it, was like a, it was like a kid's Rube Goldberg machine. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm pretty sure that's how it was pitched. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're, I guess you are supposed to move and not get caught by the trap collect the cheese or something but yeah i just always just did them thing and then it, i would inevitably break a part of it and just have to throw it in the trash but yeah <laughs> uh for my next pick i will take uh scattergories oh scattergories is fun i don't know if you're aware of this one but it's basically you have like a list of like things you might find in the kitchen and the letter is l and so you'll have to be like oh and then like kind of go through and name as many as you can before time runs out and that kind of thing and there's a do other people game. oh yeah yeah team-based yeah yeah, those yep. are fun games. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go with another uh, Sam Ranson style pick, a game that he kind of turned me onto, Axis and Allies. Okay. Or is it yeah. Axis versus Allies? No, Axis Axis and Allies. I think it's Axis and Allies. It's yeah. basically uh, Risk, but World War II. Mm-hmm. So everybody starts as as a certain country that was a part of World War II. Yeah. And um. You roll dice for the battles, uh, and each region that you have has certain production, uh, a production number associated with it. So right. each turn you had, you can build a certain number of items that add up to that number. Yeah. So you, you can maybe build airplanes or a battleship, uh, all these different things, and then you, you move them in your turn as well. It's a yeah. very fun game um, that has uh, a good bit of strategy to it. Um another one of those games where you start it and then it takes it'll it, you can't finish it in one night you know right yeah so. those are never my cup of tea yeah just to i need uh instant gratification yeah i either want to win or i want to lose in like 30 minutes <laughs> right right what's your next one uh i'm gonna go with the game of life Boo. i like the game of life yeah always a fun game played it with my sisters growing up i've not played it in maybe 20 years more did you, did you always end up in the mansion <laughs> right. whatever it was retired yeah. in the mansion with your four kids that's and right two dogs mm. that's how i am right now that's right minus the dogs and the kids that's right <laughs> and the You're staring at my two cats <laughs> that's right up on the on the window ledges okay, i, I guess those them. are your kids <laughs> um i'm gonna go with uh a game that i was actually introduced to uh in the last year or so from your fiance, Code Names. Code Names. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go with Code Names. That's a fun game right. to play. Yeah. It, it usually gets a little bit heated. Uh, usually us, usually on your team, like with, within <laughs> your team, because they're, how stupid can you be? They're not getting yeah. this right. But I'll go with Code Names. I like that game a lot, too. Yeah. It is, uh, it is fun to, to um, just think about the, the way other people that you know will... Mm-hmm. Give you little hints and clues. Yeah, it's a good good little like party game. Yeah. Uh, my last one, this is kind of niche, and if you haven't seen Parks and Rec, you might not get it, but I'm going to go with Cones of Dunshire. I, I haven't I haven't seen Parks and Rec, and I, I feel like I've heard this name, but I, I don't know anything it's about a, this game. Yeah, well, it's a made-up game that uh, Ben <laughs> makes up on the show, and it's super overly complex, and he's like a total giant nerd. And, uh, it's supposed just, to be like his own Dungeons and Dragons? Basically, yeah. yeah. So I'll throw that out there for all my parks and rec fans out there nice um i think my last one is going to be battleship battleship fun little game 
Yeah. Everybody knows how to play it. Yeah. Um, it's fun to sink battleships. <laughs> and uh, I always liked it on Seinfeld where uh, Jerry and Elaine are playing. Yeah. And uh, Jerry, like, sinks or, or he gets a hit. And uh, Elaine's like, hit B, B2 or whatever, hit battleship, whatever. And he's like, Elaine. And she, <laughs> and she rolls her, her eyes and goes, <laughs> he's got to add sound effects to it. Great, great yeah. game. Good stuff. Well, we didn't say Monopoly. We didn't say Pictionary. What else did we leave off? Scrabble. Monopoly was on my list, but um, yeah, yeah, too too obvious. Too obvious. All right. Well, that's all we got. Everybody uh, have an awesome Thanksgiving. Stay safe. If you're with your family, uh, give them hugs. And we will be back next week with a topic that as of yet has not been decided. That's right. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. See ya.